Hey, boys and girls, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Have you thought about changing that little entrance up? You've been doing that the same way, too. Hmm. Hello, podcast world. This is your pal, Andy. <laughs> OJ. Oh, OJ. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for tuning in. We're coming up on our millionth download in under two years. It's a big deal to us. We're very, very proud of it. Uh, and none of it's possible without you great listeners. So we're going to be doing a little giveaway. We are going to be giving away four-man. Four-man, two-day goose hunt or, or crane, crane hunt, hunt, December 7th and 8th. Stay at the world-famous Big Honker Lodge in Knox City, Texas. Come in on December 6th, dinner that night. On the morning of the 7th, a uh, goose hunt with lunch, uh, breakfast and lunch that day. Dinner again the night of the 7th with lodging. Breakfast and goose hunt on the morning of the 8th. And that's for December 7th and 8th. Also, you will be winning a case of Boss Ammo. 20-gauge, 12-gauge, 28-410, whatever it is that you shoot. Pacific Game Calls is going to be giving away a goose hunt. Or goose call, I'm sorry, a goose call. And Dive Bomb Decoys will be giving away two dozen silhouettes. It's a heck of a deal. Uh, be looking out on Instagram for the rules, because that's where it's going to be. Instagram. My Instagram. Uh, and then all the rules will be laid out there. So, On your personal Instagram or Stanford Hunting's Instagram? On my Instagram. Well, it'll be on both. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to do with uh, Instagram is, is where we're going to pick our winner from. So. Okay. So everybody that doesn't have Instagram, go get Instagram, sign up for it, get in on the giveaway, and that's all you have to do. We because some it doesn't matter if we do it on Instagram or Facebook or what we do. Someone is left out if we do it by iTunes reviews. Somebody always has something different, so you got to go get an Instagram to get in on this giveaway. And we've done a bunch of iTunes, so we're gonna switch it up a little bit. So that's what we got going on here. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Turkey season's here. We got some prime real estate right on the river. You want to shoot a gobbler? We can take you to shoot a gobbler. I can take you to shoot a gobbler. You so, can do the 410 challenge on this. <clears throat> you can do the 410 challenge. Go to Boss, get some 410 shotgun shells. We can do the 410 challenge right here at the Big Honker Lodge. Give us a call, 940-658-3172. Get on the books for this coming turkey season. It's going to be here before you know it. It's going to be bloody for Mr. Tom Turkey. Or if you're looking for a waterfowl hunt or dove hunt for this fall and winter, give us a call. Look us up, stanfieldhunting.com. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the leader in silhouettes. They've changed the game. Everybody's running skinnies. You should, too. Go to divebombindustries.com. Brand new pantail socks are coming out. It is time to add to your spread. It's the off-season mostly everywhere, so go to Dive Bomb Industries. Start looking ahead to this fall, this winter. Go over there. Get what you're going to need. Socks, silhouettes. Decoy's on a budget. Buy, you can buy a couple, you know, five, ten dozen every month. Old lady doesn't realize that you've got that many decoys. Send them, to your, send them to your friend's house. Send them to your office to have them. Anyways, go to Die Bomb Decoys. That's DieBombIndustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. they got a challenge going on for you turkey hunters. We're going to see how good you are. Boss Shot Shells. You shoot a 410. Uh, you can go to there. You can go figure out what they're doing. But it's a 410 challenge. See how good of a turkey hunter you are. Get them in nice and tight. Uh, they make the best shotgun shell that's out there right now. It's all American made. The people from Boss are great. Brandon, Lee, Meg, salt of the earth people. Hits like a freight train. You only have to shoot them once. No cripples. BossShotShells.com. Like I said, it's all American made. Great product, great people. Go check them out at BossShotShells.com. 
And also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls. Got a promo code. Got a promo code. BHP25 will save you 25% off of checkout. They've got goose calls, duck calls, turkey calls. They've got it all. One-stop shop. If you need to call that bird in, you can go to PacificCustomCalls.com, use the promo code BHP25, and save you some money, some green. Their speckle belly call is out of this world. It's easy to blow. Good range. It's what I use. Perfect. PacificCustomCalls.com. And also, we're brought to you by Lucky Duck. Spinners, you need them. Blinds, you need them. Dog kennels. You need it. They make the best blind that's on the market right now, the 2x4. We hunt, I hunt it out of it every single day. It's roomy. It hides four grown-ass men. Some of these companies will tell you that it hides four. Theirs actually does. LuckyDuck.com, if you're into predator hunting, they've also got some products for you. They've got it all. One-stop shop. LuckyDuck.com for everything that you need. And we're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. You can't get into this duck club. Memberships are full, but you can get some sweet-ass apparel. They got coolers now, don't they? They got coolers now. They got a jacket now. They got a sports hoodie now. And it's all with a guy that's perched up with a rifle in his hand and ducks in the sky. The Looking Glass Duck Club. You can follow them. They've got a new Instagram account, uh, Looking Glass Duck Club, I think is all it is on Instagram. Then the guy that runs it, Logan Pyatt, is Sky underscore Jack underscore Outfitters. And he's the he's the gentleman that runs the Looking Glass Duck Club. Go to their Instagram. They've got a giveaway going on. Logan's going to come down here, do a podcast with us, and then we're going to draw a winner for the cooler that they've got. So be sure, go to the Looking Glass Duck Club on Instagram, find the post, get entered to win that one. Also, we're brought to you by William and Chris Wines. There's no there's no big holiday coming up for wine drinking. Valentine's is over. Uh, there's a big drinking coming up it's called st patrick's day do you drink wine at st patrick's day? i don't drink wine on wine day well you're you a wine should. drinker i'm not you don't need an excuse to drink wine you don't need an excuse to drink this high quality texas wine made in high texas from the guys at william and chris wines skeleton key is out of this world it's a red i love it drink it whenever i'm eating steak something hearty like that makes me feel real uptown you know kind of like trump one Trump, of the Trumps. Trump's not a wine drinker. Donald Jr. I bet is his son is. <laughs> I bet his son is. Uh, great wine. Go to the go to great uh, guys. Texas yeah. wine made by great people. Good good people give back a lot to the community. Jump on overboard and check them out at William Chris. WilliamChrisWines dot com. That's it. Yeah, we're not sponsored by nobody else, are we? Nope, because we did Stanfield at the first. Yeah, well, I guess it we're done doing sponsors. All right, my guest today is Spencer Halford of Rolling Thunder Game Calls. Uh, this is all about turkey hunting. Man has gone all over the country chasing these uh, these silly bastards. Uh, incredible podcast. He's a great guy. I really, really enjoy talking to him, and uh, I was excited about this episode, and it was a good one. I had a lot of fun. So hopefully you enjoy it. Here he is, Spencer Halford.
All right, here we go. Uh, three, two, one. All right, and we're going. We got Spencer Halford today. I just learned uh, how to pronounce your name. How are you, Spencer? <laughs> I'm good. How are you this morning? I am doing awesome. Of uh, Rolling Thunder Game Calls. How's everything yeah. going with that? Man, it's great. You could not have possibly picked a better morning to call and talk about turkey hunting. I, I listened to five gobble this morning in my favorite place in the whole world. Now, you're, <laughs> so you're in, are you in Tennessee? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm about, I live about 45 minutes east of Memphis in Fayette County, a little town called Somerville. Okay. And you were out scouting this morning, huh? Yeah, yeah. What, uh, you said you heard five goblin? Yeah, so, um, there's a, we have a farm in the Mississippi River Bottoms. It's literally about 15, 20 miles north of Memphis. Um, and the last two seasons, we haven't even been able to hunt there because the Mississippi River's been so high in the springtime that they've kept the season closed. And it's, it's really, really hurt our turkey population. But, um, uh, the, the river dropped down a couple weeks ago pretty decent back in its banks and so i figured i might as well go listen this morning and i was very pleasantly surprised heard a group of three and then two other singles that were uh in different locations so it was, it was definitely five different gobblers and i was pretty high on life at the moment <laughs> yeah now uh you said the miss had had it flooded them out or could it or was the river just so high that you couldn't get to those birds uh, more, more the first, um, the, we're, you know, Memphis is, they call Memphis the bluff city cause there's a giant bluff that runs north and south, um, out of Memphis. And so the, the river, um, floods more to the west into Arkansas, a further distance than it does east into Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Delta, the Delta in Tennessee is pretty narrow strip of land and on the, east side of the delta um there's a this giant bluff i mean it's like you know 60 70 feet tall or, or more i mean it's a it's a big giant hill and it it runs north and south and so it it uh it's what makes tennessee not bottom land you know it's what right. makes tennessee most of tennessee rolling hills um and our farm is below the bluff and so what happens is when um, it's in the river bottoms. It's in the floodplain. So what happens is when the river floods, it really just displaces those turkeys. At least that's what I think. Right. You'll hear you'll hear people argue about whether or not it kills them and whether or not they get out of there. And there have been all kinds of studies. And I, I you know, I think probably it it definitely hurts them, but um, and and probably does kill a few of them. But I think more than anything, what happens is in the first, you know, the early part of spring, like say the month of March. If the river's up and they don't have good good stuff to hang out in down there in the bottoms, they just ease on up onto the high ground. And you know, you give a gobbler a nice, comfortable place to live with um, with a bunch of ladies to hang out with in mm-hmm. in high ground, and you don't have any reason to go back to the river bottoms until fall. Right. <laughs> you know, um, well that's and and at a certain river level, they close our season. So two years high water, closed season. You know, it's. It's been a while since I've been able to get down there, and that's just kind of my home turf, you know? Yeah. The reason I was asking is because we've got a spot, and it's kind of off of the river, and I've noticed on uh, drier years there's more there's more turkeys on it. And then this last year, oh, yeah. uh, the river got up, and 
I didn't see any. I didn't see any birds on it last year, and I'd killed birds there before. And then last year, it was just a. It was a ghost town. Yeah, yeah. So I was I, wondering, you know, you know, if they if it gets to a point where they just don't go to it, or if it floods them out, or or what it does. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think a little bit of all that, you know. Yeah. Um, the timing matters more than anything. I think an early flood just displaces them. I think a late flood probably kills a lot of your hatch. I know three years ago we had a, a pretty significant flood that that um, that maybe around the first of May lasted until the middle of July. And you know, by the first of May in our part of the world. There's a lot of hens been bred, a lot, a lot of nests been laid already, and um, and so I, I think that probably a lot of nests get flooded in a year like that, you know. Right. But I don't know. I, it's amazing to me. It's a it's a miracle to me that any turkey survives because everything in the whole world will be a turkey. Everything. <laughs> yeah, they're they're truly other than a grasshopper, they are at the bottom of every yeah. food chain. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um. I mean, you got natural predators, you got us, and uh, I, I feel bad for these guys. What? Well, you're giving me hope, though, that, that birds will come back to this spot that uh, I didn't kill any birds off of last year, is what you're giving me. Yeah. So I got, I got like yeah. a little fire burning in me, too. Uh, it's raining here today. It's going to be raining for the next five days here, so it's not actually good turkey. When, when does y'all's, uh, when did y'all's season open? We open April the 4th. Okay, same um, our us. youth season, yeah, our youth season opens the 28th of March, um, and so it's coming. But Mississippi opens tomorrow, so I'm going to go down there and hunt the National Forest in the morning, but I figured I'd get one more morning of just listeners at home before, yeah. um, before I did anything else. Is How far of a drive is that going to be for you? Oh, 40 minutes. Oh, you know, it's not, not bad. bad. No. Yeah. So, uh, what's yeah, a, what's the scene going to be like there tomorrow? So, um, the National Forest there, the Holly Springs National Forest, is a uh, is big, rolling hills. Um, there's a little bit of bottomland, but I mean that's kind of north central Mississippi, and it's high ground, and um, those are ridge running turkeys, so they they move around a lot. Um, they they're not like swamp birds that kind of stay in a tight range these birds cover a lot of ground and they're obviously easterns um and being where holly springs is it's between tupelo and memphis and um it's such a big forest it'll be a tremendous amount of foot traffic there a lot of pressure it's uh it's probably the closest place to most of arkansas and there's a lot of turkey hunters in Arkansas that don't have many good places to hunt. Right. <laughs> there's probably, of all the states in the country, Arkansas probably has the most turkey hunters that do not have a place to hunt. And so they, uh, there'll be a lot of Arkansas tags uh, in Holly Springs tomorrow. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so what's your tactic tomorrow? Do, do, you, uh, do you run and gun? How do you do it in public land? Do you run and gun? Do you just stay where you're at? How do you do it? Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tomorrow, I'm going to hunt in a block that is, um, I'm gonna hunt in a big block that only has one access point, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna try to get there first, um, it's a logging road with a gate, and I'm going to, um, I'm gonna get there really early, like two in the morning, kind of early, shit. and 
<laughs> probably, you know, um, get out and try to walk pretty deep. And there's a there's actually a power line that runs across that particular block that I'm going to hunt. And so I'm going to hope to get in the middle of the power line long before gobble time. And I'm not going to have time tonight to roost a bird, so I'm just going to hope that uh, there's a few places that uh, – that I, you know, historically, I know they like to roost a lot, and so I'm going in blind. But I'm going to try to go in a block where I think I can get past people, and you know, just rely on my hamstrings and um, <laughs> <laughs> and boot leather. <laughs> uh, do you, do you ever get freaked out in the woods that that late at night or that early in the morning? I'm scared to death of the dark, Andy. I, I mean, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent get freaked out. Stay freaked out. <laughs> Every step I take in the woods, I feel like there's a monster about to eat me. <laughs> I'm glad that you admit because we, we get a lot of guys that, that are afraid to admit that. But I'm oh man, it. anybody that's afraid to admit that's just lying. I know the I, only people that are not scared of the dark are coon hunters. <laughs> everybody else, and everybody else is scared of the dark. And I think coon hunters are scared of the dark first. You know, first five years they coon hunt, mm-hmm. but I think they get over it. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not scared of the dark, you, you either you either haven't done your research about what's in the dark, or you're stupid, or the two. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all big trees there. It, I mean, it's all just humongous yeah, trees. You can't see anything. That's right. right. It's big hardwoods. Oh. There's, there's a little bit. There's some pines mixed in and stuff. And see, but here um, it's all wide open. You know, I'm in West Texas, so I can see. I can see okay. clear across. I can see miles here. I I, I would not like the uh, the tightness of the forest. Walk it, stumbling around yeah. in the dark at two in the morning. Not my cup of tea. <laughs> I don't know why I'm freaked out by it, but I'm always. I mean, it's. It's. I don't know. I have to kind of coach myself through it. We just got back from Florida, actually, and you talk about being scared of the dark. Florida is a place. Oh that shit! Yeah, you're scared of the dark. Oh my gosh! These big devil palms and stuff that are everywhere, and you know, my my. Uh, he loves. Uh, the Python Hunter television show. No way. And uh, so I've been watching that within the last few months, and that was not good pre-Florida um, planning. No. <laughs> and the, people catch 20-foot pythons. And they got gators <laughs> there. So I Oh, mean, my gosh. Yes, they do. I mean, this is this – is, you don't want to go stumbling around in the dark there. How was Florida? Did you get your bird? We killed one. I took a buddy of mine, and we hunted together – and um, he had never killed an Osceola, and so the deal was, um, since I'm scared of the dark, <laughs> I agreed that if he would go with me, he could shoot first, mm-hmm. and I'd shoot second. And we got one opportunity, two birds came in, and um, he got to take the first shot, and the other bird got squirrely, and I just and I couldn't get a shot on him. But uh, it was good. It was a good trip. We came, saw, conquered, you know, got yeah. to see a turkey, put on a turkey show, and uh, you know, it's it's definitely about the killing, but it's not all about the trigger pulling. You know, right. I watched one do do the deed and die, so that's that's good enough for me. How do you do it when you've got two hunters? Do you one, two, three it, or do you let the first guy shoot and then try to purr that other one back to? I you know, kind of depends on who I'm with, I guess. But I don't. When I was growing up, we had a rule on the farm. The couple places that that we hunted. It was just a self-imposed dad and I rule, but my dad never wanted to double. He mm-hmm. thought that that was not a good idea. Two birds came in, one of them should die, and the other one should walk away. Right. And so we just didn't we didn't shoot two birds at a time. In fact, I've never doubled with my dad ever. 
uh, and we've killed a bazillion turkeys together. But, um, I, you know, until I got a little bit older and started running around with mother knuckleheads and, and traveling places to hunt, uh, I, you know, we just didn't double. And so I've done it both ways. My personal preference is to let one person shoot and then let the second person just back clean up. But, um, you know, it, if if I'm if I'm not the primary shooter, that's the way I prefer to do it because I, I'll if it's if you one two three it it's are we going to shoot on three or are we going to shoot after three that's the first <laughs> hurdle <laughs> one two boom or yeah. one two three boom, boom and right. then how long after three is the boom all that's, <laughs> you know a problem um, and then also you know just if you if you're off by half a second I've seen a bunch of them duck and yeah uh, you know then, then one guy misses and all that but more times than not if you let the first guy shoot if there's two gobblers and they're standing side by side the second one you know maybe 70 80 percent of the time he's not going to just immediately jump and fly and so right. if you're if you're ready you're going to get a good shot you're just going to have to take it quick um and, and we would have in florida it just was that we were hunting a cypress head that was real real thick trees and he took one step and he was just I mean, I could see him moving through there, but there was no no chance of a clear shot, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that uh, on the on the one two three. It's tricky because, like you said, is it one one two boom? Is it one two three? And so it it, it gets a little tricky. So, but like you said, right. you know, if the first guy shoots and then you're ready, that bird's not especially where I am because everything's so wide open. So when you get that exactly. bird, most of like you they're got startled him. and they're right. He's not going to run out That's of right. sight in the next. You know, right. you got two or three seconds to put off a good shot. That's right. So that's right. Let the first guy shoot, and then uh, second guy can shoot. Um, yeah. how, is the Osceola is that the toughest turkey to call in? You know, I don't think it's the toughest to call in. Um, I think an Eastern, a hard goblin or a, a ridge runner, public land Eastern. I think he's the hardest. You know the the. The public Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia birds. Yeah, I think those are the hardest I've ever hunted in the country by far. Really, just because they they play the terrain so well, and and you're hunting in trees. The thing about Florida that's hard is access. Ah, um, if you get where the turkeys are, they're pretty easy to kill. Mm-hmm. But getting to where they live is, I mean, it's practically impossible sometimes. And some years you catch a you catch dry conditions and you can move around a little better, but. In a year where it's a normal amount of rainfall, 80% of where that turkey lives is an inch of water. He walks right. through water all day, every day. Oh, I don't know do? how they do it. But, I, oh, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You can If you watch back you know, like a bunch of uh, Dave Owens' Penhody episodes, a bunch of those birds get killed in water, you so, know, walking right through two, three inches of water. So is that why um, they look so terrible in the pictures? Probably, but... I mean, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, they're like squirrels. They look real bad when they're wet. <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed that with a lot of Easterns, too. Like, guys take these pictures with them, and their fan is just, you know, yeah. we don't have a whole lot of moisture. I mean, we do, but. Well, we, yeah, we do the first first hour, you know. It's it's always a lot of do. And so even on a, even in dry, in a place that's dry, you shoot a turkey and, you know, two or three inches of wheat or, yeah. you know, some little green food plot, he starts flopping. He's going to be soaking wet by the time he's, the time you're picking him up. Yeah. Early in the spring for sure. So so the hard part with Osceola is, is just getting to him. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the place that we killed our bird was about 800 yards off of a road. 
but it took us, you know, 50 minutes to walk that 800 yards because mm. it's the way these palm trees are about 10 feet tall and they, 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 it's the best way I know to describe is they're, they look like one of those awesome blossoms you get it out back for, yeah. a, for a, uh, appetizer. They look like one of those things upside down. Oh. Like they, they got a big stem in the middle, but then the tops come down and hit the ground and, and kind of, kind of crawl. And I mean, you just, you're just, stepping over something or under something the whole time there's no flat ground walking um you're you're climbing it's like 800 yards of crossfit just to get to where they're at (laughs) and then you you couple that with um florida's just not a big state south florida's just not that terribly big it's a lot of jungle it's a ton of water and the private land's pretty sewed up so there's only a handful of public land options and they're just really heavily hunted so you know, getting getting to where a turkey lives that somebody else can't get to is just tough. Like that's that's the hard part down there. Right now, will you use a decoy if you're hunting public land, or is that is that against the law? Uh, it's not against the law. Um, you definitely can use them, um, but I personally, I've had a lot better success with decoys in open fields, meadows, right. stuff like that than I have in the woods. It right. seems like sometimes a gobbler gets sketched out by another jake in in the woods not always but um you know sometimes i'll hunt with a hen it's really hard to film and not have a decoy um just because you don't know where it's going to come in at yeah exactly and and so 80 percent of if we're gonna if we're gonna film i mean we're gonna use a decoy not because we need the decoy to kill the bird but because we need the decoy to center him up and get him to hold still long enough to, to video it you know um is tur is that is that difficult to is it hard to film turkey hunts just because of uh, how keen their eyesight is? As far as like it's waterfowl, not too bad. I mean, it's it's I'd say it's easier than waterfowl hunting in some sense. Um, it's just different. Um, I mean, you know, the difficulty with, with ducks is they're flying, obviously. Right. Um, but with you know, with turkeys, especially with a decoy, you kind of have an idea where they're going to end up. Um, and as long as you're good and hid, you can pretty much get away with, with murder. I mean, um, movement-wise, we we um, we use a big sheet of material and basically cut a hole in it, yeah. just like a sheet of burlap, cut a hole in it, stick the lens through it, and then just flip that over the top of the cameraman. And so he... For whatever reason, turkeys are not afraid of like pop-up blinds, you know, tents, and and you don't have to brush a blind in. You just have to make it not look like a human. Right. And a turkey just doesn't care. So most of my guys, I try to get them to wear like one of those Alps vests that have um, the legs out the back, so mm-hmm. that they don't have to have a tree. Right. And then they can kind of position themselves behind me or just over my shoulder, where they're not sitting on a tree, but with that big sheet of material. They just, you know, keep it over the camera, and that allows them to move their hands around and focus without the bird being able to see them. And I mean, it's it's not it's not all that hard once they get the hang of it. It's pretty easy. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, I, as a, because I didn't get into turkey hunting until I was probably 20, so 12 years ago. But I was always, you know, uh, guided waterfowl hunts here in Texas. And um, there's when I was learning how to turkey hunt, which is way it's apples and oranges. Like you can't compare waterfowl to turkey because one's chess and one's checkers. So there's a That's lot. Right. There's a That's lot right. of things that I was just like, there ain't no way. And the blind is one of them. I don't have a whole lot of experience hunting out of a blind, 
but I know some guys that do, and they just set them up. Doesn't matter where. Yeah. And I'm like, there ain't no way in hell that this bird's going to walk by this. Yeah. I, I'm not much for hunting out of a blind. I mean, well, a bl- when you say blind, there's different things that people mean by that. I, I think of a blind as being like a roll-up sheet of material that you put in front of you. And I, yes. and I do like to hunt out of a blind like that, especially my little boy. I carry a, you know, a little, little blind like that. But as far as a tent goes, we call that turkey hutting. Instead yeah. of turkey hunting. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and we're, we're probably a little snobby about that, but yep. I kind of feel like that's cheating. I mean, cause you, you can take that hut and get right underneath him. And, and, uh, I mean, they, it's crazy how indefensible a gobbler is to one of those huts. They just do not care yeah. <laughs> about that thing. Cody Crook and uh, Luke Musgrove were out here about two weeks ago, and we we were talking to them. And I, Luke was uh, he was talking about how he hunts out of the pop up, and I'm like, you're cheating! Like that's not turkey hunting. You're just you're on a camp out. Like you got snacks in yep. there, and you're rough. Yep. You know, yep. give me a break. That's not turkey hunting. Turkey yep. hunting's with your ass yep. on a tree. That's right. Movement, movement is there. You know they can't smell, so so a gobbler's best defense is his eyeballs. Yeah, and he's got pretty good eyeballs. And I remember a guy said when I was a little kid. I remember hearing a guy on a tape. I think it was Ray I that said a turkey could see 330 degrees around him at all times. Mm-hmm. His tur- his eyes are on opposite sides of his head. They don't look the same way. Right. And good Lord made them where they could see left and right all at the same time and in front. And so there's only about a little pie-shaped piece about 30 degrees straight behind their head they can't see and and so all they got to do is just barely tilt their head one way or the other and they're seeing all the way around them and i guess that's just the way the good lord designed them to be able to fend off critters and um survive but you know sitting in a sitting in a hut just seems like cheating to me yeah because and, and part i of wouldn't it. knock somebody for doing it for a kid but after you've killed a couple of them you need to put that out <laughs> Luke's defense is he's a, he, Luke's, Luke kills him with a bow and all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, you know. yeah. And I think that's crap too, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't get into the whole bow hunting thing for turkeys. That's just, I just don't, I don't get that. I, I think that's just, that's just crap. That's the only way I know to say it. When you kill a turkey, you know, he comes in gobbling and charging you you need to number one you need to not be in a hut so you need to feel it you need to think is this son of a gun gonna have teeth like a saber-toothed tiger to rip my throat out <laughs> if you're not if you're not experiencing that then then you're missing it you're, you're missing the point of it right and then from there when you shoot him and you take the king of spring off the face of the earth it ought to be with a shotgun blast that decletes a son of a gun and 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 it ought to be one warrior declaring victory over over another you know i yeah. mean but something about you know and then a turkey flopping around up there just man that's not okay <laughs> right yeah i i'm that that's what i you know i've taken the 40 yard shots and I, i've talked about it on the podcast but um i always felt empty like walking up to the bird and like you know you get that bird that's hung up but he's still kind of in shooting range but and you shot him anyway and yep. I walk up and I feel I, I felt empty, but those times mm-hmm. where he was in, or I should say, I was in his world and he didn't know it, and I shot yep. him at five steps. That is when that is when I felt most complete mm-hmm. as a turkey hunter. There's something there's something pretty cool about 
the whole world around you coming alive yep. and all the sounds and all the songbirds and the crickets and just everything. Cause spring is a real noisy time in the woods. Mm-hmm. And then when you shoot, it's like a deafening silence Dead for a quiet. good couple minutes. Dead and, quiet. and, and to me, it's kind of like, okay, I won, you know, <laughs> and you don't get that with a bow, you know, right. <laughs> they're all kind of stood around looking and he doesn't die immediately. They flop around and run off and you got to gutter and chase them and all that baloney. And <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I feel like it's kind of like, you know, you, there's, there, there's ball peen hammers and there's sledgehammers right. or there's framing hammers, you yeah. know, and you wouldn't want to frame a house with a ball peen hammer. You know, no. you need to get a big son of a gun and just, and, like uh, Mr. Miyagi said, you know, and drive it all the way in there for one nail. That's kind of the way I feel about shotguns. You need to kaboom and let everybody in the world know that you just won. <laughs> I, I like what you said, though. Decleat that son of a gun. Because that's right. That's, that's yeah. what you Just decleat him. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, you know, the toughest, you were talking about Georgia birds and the Ridge Runners. Uh, the toughest turkey client that I had out here was from Georgia. And he hunted. The, he hunted the Ridge Runners. And I guess do they not gobble in the afternoons in Georgia? No, I mean, I don't think that's a geographic thing. It's more of a eastern. Um, just an yeah, eastern so bird. That's, I mean, they they will gobble, but you know, eastern is just the difference between an eastern and a Rio. Rio is just happy to be alive. He <laughs> gobbles at everything all the time. Yeah, it doesn't matter the time of day. You can drive into a little woodlot out in Kansas or Texas or Oklahoma and wake those son of guns up at midnight and they're gonna start gobbling yep. i mean they just they're just happy to be alive an eastern is only gonna gobble when he doesn't have hens so uh, most of the time the reason the eastern gobbles so much on the roost is because he's gonna sit there and he's gonna gobble until hens fly down to him he can see him right and then he's gonna pitch down to him and he's basically not gonna gobble again after that until he's looking for a hen mm-hmm. so if you find an Eastern goblin between 11 a.m. and 2 or 3, you'll kill him in, you know, two or three minutes. I mean, he's going to come on a run. Um, so, you know, he a lot of times, you know, a dominant gobbler in Eastern anyways, he's going to have 12 or 15 hens early in the season. He's going to keep those with him all day. And the right. only time he's going to gobble is when they start to stray off and he's calling them back to him. Um, you know, and so, and so it, it, it's – we don't in the deep south. We just don't hunt in the afternoon very much because it's just you know it's you're kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah, um, you know, in, in the morning you you kind of end up getting a feel for where two or three or four different birds are gobbling or are at if you can hear them gobbling on the roost, you know. And so um, you just you end up standing a better chance. But uh, this guy, he came in. in the morning. He, he came in from Georgia with his son, and he was hunting. Uh, opening day but the way that we do it here is your first hunt is in the afternoon and then you have a morning hunt and then an afternoon hunt and then a morning hunt and that's i got you in where we're at i've had more success in the afternoons because sure uh the most of the birds have uh bred what they're gonna breed their hands and they're yep. they're kind of free to roam and yep, this yep. guy threw a fit. I mean, he he cussed Jeff out on the phone and talked about how ridiculous it was that we're not hunting in the morning. It's opening morning, and by God, he's going to kill a turkey if he's got to poach it. And we're like, listen, whatever, but you're not hunting with us until at the afternoon. You booked a Saturday hunt, a Sunday hunt, and a Monday morning hunt. Like, that's how we do it. 
and yeah. oh my god and and he got in the truck and he was already pissed and he got in the truck with me and he, he you know what a what a joke this was and there ain't no way in hell that we're gonna kill a bird and we were out there an hour and a half and they shot both of their birds <laughs> and he felt like such a jackass and i kind of yeah, and I was just telling them on the way to the field, like, you know, this is how we do it. And I, I always, I've got, I've got, I like the afternoons better because in the mornings it seems like they get with their hens fast and I like the afternoons. He said, well, there ain't no way in hell. We're probably not even going to hear a bird. And an hour and a half later, two, uh, two studs came and uh, walked right into the hmm. decoys. And a lot of, a lot of, you know, also one of the things you said about, about the difference between south and, and kind of out west in the south, a lot of places like Missouri, for one, you got to stop hunting it at noon or right. one o'clock. Yep. And Florida's that way uh, on public land. And, and I, I think it's a good idea because I think it when you do kill one in the afternoon, a lot of times you're within pretty close proximity of where they're going to end up roosting. And right. so you you do bust a roost up. Um, and and I, you know whether or not that's good or bad and what it does to them, I don't know. I mean, you could debate that, but. Um, you know, so, but there's a, but kind of growing up in the South, that is sort of, you're, you're taught, yeah, you really shouldn't mess with them in the afternoon. You should right. give them the afternoon, you know, and duck hunts the same way, you know, it's like, it's the morning sport. So, I mean, I get where he's coming from. I doesn't mean he got the right to be a jackass about it, but <laughs> Ooh, he was, and, uh, it, it, he felt bad. He, he did. He apologized to me. He apologized to Jeff and, uh, he actually bought two more, uh, cause we shot out. Oh, you know, the first afternoon. So he's like, shit, can we kill two more? And he actually uh, paid to, to hunt two more days. So it was That's a lot awesome. of fun. I mean, you know, as a guide, you're, you don't like it when somebody – acts like they know better especially a guy that's 1500 miles away or however far georgia is yeah. from here and you're like you have no idea you're in west texas now like, yeah it's definitely different if i was in georgia and you said that we have to kill this bird between seven and eight i'd listen to you because this is your home you know what's going on yeah so just trust me you book the hunt yeah you book the hunt we kill birds so just just relax a little bit and it'll be fine enjoy the afternoon that's right the old adage, don't guide the guide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So these ridge runners. And that's, that's hard. Will they, will they just get down and, I mean, are they covering terrain? Like, are they just gone, these these ridge runner birds? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they somebody needs to write a book one day on the different subspecies of Easterns. Yeah. Because there's. Rios tend to kind of all act about the same, and Merriam's kind of act the same, and the Osceola's act the same. But there's, I've heard some of the old timers talk about the difference in some of the. You've got like Easterns, you've got pasture turkeys or field birds, and you've got swamp turkeys, and you've got ridge runners. And I don't know, you, you might come up with another one, but I mean, a classic ridge running turkey stays on high ground. And he's moving most of the day. Like he hits the ground and he's he's moving. He's he makes a big loop. He doesn't just kind of hang out in one small area. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, a field bird, a pasture turkey, he kind of he acts a little bit like a tame turkey at the house. Like he'll have a, a pretty close range. Like he might go five hundred yards from his roost tree, but for the most part he's gonna fly down into a big field and he's gonna stay out that field. He might slip over to the edge here in the middle of the day when it's hot get the shade but i mean he's probably not going to be outside of um eyesight of his roost tree you know he's not going to make a two or three mile loop and um and a, but a ridge runner 
he's not going to probably roost in the same tree every night. He's going to roost in a different tree. Uh, um, whereas, a, whereas a lot of your swamp turkeys and a lot of your pasture birds, they're going to have a classic roost tree, and it might be 10 minutes before dark, but they're probably some bird out of that flock is probably coming back to the roost tree. And they tend to roost in a pasture turkey, tends to roost in a little bigger groups, you know, um, be 10 or 12 of them kind of close together. Whereas a swamp, your swamp birds are going to be spread out, and they're usually roosted over a slough or over water. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the ridge runners like public land. They're gonna, they're not going to be roosted in big groups. They're going to be, they're basically going to be roosted wherever they stopped the night before, and they're kind of going to be trucking and covering terrain. And, and because it's trees, they don't tend to travel in big flocks. They'll, you know during the springtime they'll be in smaller groups and you know a gobbler with two hens or a gobbler with one hen and um you know just that, make, that, that makes it difficult because that's the good thing about here is if you get the roost you're going to be within 100 yards every day or a couple hundred yards right. every day and i mean yeah so well i couldn't imagine having to having to just hope that you're on the roost that day it'd be tough well you know you just you just basically you just basically get in a the classic way to hunt a ridge runner is you just, if you don't roost in the night before, you you just get within, you just get in a good spot to listen. Right. Um, and, and, and our turkeys gobble so loud, and the trees just travel, the sound travels. I mean, you, you can hear one six, seven, eight hundred yards away. So you get a good vantage point, you know, high ground or spots you can listen several directions, and you can hear six or seven hundred yards west and the same distance east i mean you're covering pretty good swath of ground 360 degrees around you you know yeah which is what i'm going to do in the morning i'm going to get dead in the middle of the center of this block which should reduce how many people are willing to walk that far <laughs> and uh and then i'm gonna go to whichever one seems to be gobbling the most i hope i hear one gobble <laughs> right now how close do you try to get to the roost in the mornings close as i can Kind of depends on a little bit. I guess it depends on what I think they're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and what and what they are. So, like tomorrow, if I hear a bird roost, if I hear a bird gobbling on the roost, I, you know, to, our woods are really really open right now, and so you can see a long way. Especially if a turkey's on in a tree, I mean, he can see a long way. So I'll be lucky if I can get two hundred yards from him, mm-hmm. but. If he's roosting on the edge of a field or, or an edge of a power line or something, then I can kind of, you know, I can slip down the edge of it. Um, but if it's thick woods, man, I, I mean, I try to get as close as I can to him. And if and if I can roost him the night before, then I'm definitely going to get close to him. Um, but but there again, they all kind of act different. Like like an Osceola, he's liable to pitch five or six hundred yards from his roost tree. They they don't tend to just drops straight down sometimes right. they do but but it's it's not uncommon for an osceola to fly up from one place and fly down to another place whereas most of your ridge runners or your easterns they're, they're gonna probably pitch down to the exact same spot they pitched up from right you know or most of the time i i have had terrible success in the mornings and i'm always afraid i'm afraid to i don't know if it's i'm afraid to push it you know, like, ah, shit, are they going to see me? So I think I stopped too, I think I stopped too far from the roost in the mornings is my mm-hmm. big deal. I don't, uh, 
I don't know. I got. I guess I just got to get over that. I mean, if you get there early enough, though, I mean, if they hear you or think something's up, do they? Do they kind of forget about it? Well, I. I mean, I think. I don't know. Everybody's got an opinion, right? So, right. so I'm sure what I'm about to say, somebody's going to be listening to this and say that moron. You know, I have a clue what he's talking about. It, there's a there's a limit. There's a period of time in the dark where you can walk up underneath them with the light on, and they, I mean, they just don't wake up. I think the good Lord made them keep their eyes closed for a long time. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, if I know where he's roosted, I'm trying to get in there two hours before fly down and and get as close as I possibly. Now, once he's once he's awake and he's making noise and and gobbling stuff, I mean, yeah, you you if he can see you, you're toast, right? You know, so. And uh, in the mornings, he'll pitch down. The hens have pitched down. So what what do you try to do? Do you try to make more noise than the hens? How do you get him to come check you out versus uh, go see what his hens are doing? Well, uh, there again, it's. Uh, I think the greatest asset to the turkey hunter's got situational awareness. Okay, that's a, that's a term that a good buddy of mine uses, and we always kind of joke about it. But it but it's really good. Is I mean, the first thing that you got to figure out is are there any hens around, and how many? If there's one or two, or if there's like if I can get between him and the hens, and I'm going to do that. I, it's pretty hard to compete with a live hen. Yeah, and she doesn't have to sit still at the base of a tree. She can walk straight to him, <laughs> and she and instead of. You know, I'm trying to not be seen. She's trying to be seen. So she's got all the advantages. Um, if if he's got a hen with him, I'm going to try to kind of figure out where they're going and get out in front of them or right. keep my eyes on them, you know. Um, so uh, you're always kind of taking a calculated guess. I mean, you can, you know. But a lot of times, an eastern, the gobbler's not going to be roosted right with the hen. Right. Um, yeah, it's he's going to be yards. roosted. Yeah, a couple hundred yards away, and so it makes it really important that if if you can get him roosted the night before, um, you can get a pretty good idea where his hens are going to be roosted and kind of get right up in his grill. Um, yeah, and I tell usually guys, when he hits the ground, go he's going to gobble a couple times after he hits the ground if he's gobbling on the limb, but he tends to slow down on the ground more times than not. There's less gobbling on the ground than there is on a roost. Yeah, definitely. And I tell guys the hardest part about turkey hunting is the hens go to him. So, you know, you're right. si- you're sitting under a tree like a bump on a log, and you're That's calling right. and calling yeah. and calling, and he's gobbling. But in nature, yeah. she's supposed to go to him. And now all of a sudden, Correct. you've got to flip the script that God intended, and you've got to get that bird to come to you. That's right. You're trying to fight. You're fighting upstream. You're trying to make exactly the opposite of what's natural happen. Yeah. One of the things I tell guys to do is kind of, so if you're sitting and you got that bird gobbling, I try to switch it to where I'm answering him versus, you know, Mm. you, you yelp a couple times and then he responds. I try to get it switched to where all of a sudden he's gobbling and I'm answering. And I think that kind of gets the bird intrigued on what, what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 That definitely works. There's no doubt. That's got its place. I mean, I don't know. I haven't killed near as many turkeys as you. What's your opinion on uh, if you miss a bird? How long do you think that they uh, remember? Can you hunt them the next day? How long do you try to let them rest? 
or say a bird Man, bust, I, say a bird busts you, just comes in and knows something's wrong and pops pops uh, back into the woods. I don't know that there is an answer on all that. I I think it kind of depends on how love struck they are. Right. Um, I mean, I've had some see you and booger and move a hundred yards, and you can kind of get around him on the other side, try it again. Um, I've had some that I've seen get missed, and they didn't they didn't gobble again for what felt like a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, more than more than anything here at home, I try not to hunt the same bird over and over. Because right. pressure is, I mean, turkey's not smart. He's scared. That's it. Ah. So there's no there's no smart turkey. Some are just more scared than others. Right. And and the more you you want the same bird over and over, by the end of the season, I mean, he'll be damn Albert Einstein. You know, he'll he'll know your every move, how you come in and out, and he'll have you pegged, and you'll think he's brilliant and psychic and can read the future and the tea leaves and everything. But really he's just got you figured out. I mean, he's just a creature of habit. He knows, he knows where he gets in trouble if he goes there and the only way he stays alive is by being scared. Right. Um, and so more than anything, I try to hunt stuff that's just not been pressured. There's nothing better than going into a place for the very first time. Nobody's jumped these turkeys. They act different than birds where somebody has been on their heels all the time. That's why killing a public land. Eastern is one of the hardest, I mean, that's, that's really hard, um, you know, I mean, especially late in the season because all the dumb ones get killed early. <laughs> um, um, I mean, they do. You know, the two-year-olds are just gobble happy and they let everybody know where they're at. They're not dominant enough to have their own hens. Those are the ones that come on a dead run. Sure. And and they get killed quick, you know. <laughs> yeah. What uh, And Jake's, they, they are fearless. I have, I have come to figure out. I, I had a I had a I had a two groups I had two kids they came they came from the deep south too somewhere I can't I think it was Mississippi and I met them the night before shook their hand and they were like so what's the setup in the morning and I kind of told them you know we're hunting we're hunting a wheat field and blah 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 and uh, they said are there any jakes around and I said eh, there, there's gonna be some jakes tomorrow well we didn't come all this way to shoot no jakes and I said that's fine I said you're I said I'm gonna be sitting back from you all the ways maybe ten yards or so. So, you know, when you get a comfortable shot, if if it's a Jake that comes in and you don't want to shoot it, let him walk. It's no big deal. We got three. We got three days. Well, we ain't we yeah. ain't, we ain't shooting no damn Jakes. I said, oh, cool, that's fine. Uh, I heard you. Next morning, two Jakes come in strutting, and they attack the decoys. Guess what died? Two two, two <laughs> both Jakes, of both of them. Boom, boom, both Jakes rolled and they're flopping around and. I knew they were Jake's because uh, their fan wasn't complete. They came in strutting. And when they shot, I was actually, you know, I saw them strutting and coming in. I'm like, ah, you know, they're going to walk. They're going to let them walk, which is fine. We'll go after the big bird. And when they shot, I jumped because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> Walked up and they're like, let's look at these beards, man. And I said, they're probably not going to be any. And flip them over and they had two little bitty nubs kind of coming in. They're like, well, hell, did we shoot the beards off of them? I said, no, they're Jake's, guys. <laughs> and they said, there ain't no way these are damn Jake's. I said, their fan's not complete. I said, look at their fan. Well, shit, where we're at, they don't come in strutting like that. I'm like, well, they do here, and you shot them, so congratulations. Y'all can drive home now. <laughs> oh, they were, uh, I'm telling you, doing guided hunts, you, you, there's there's so many stories that I could tell. But, yeah, I don't know how you do that. I, I couldn't be an outfitter. I'm, 
I'm too much of a people pleaser. I I have a hard time telling people what they actually need to hear, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and and so that that doesn't go very good. And 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 then beyond that, I just it's hard enough to get a, an Eastern turkey to act right. And mm-hmm. if somebody screwed that up, that would just really bug me. <laughs> yeah. And then they were mad. They wanted to. They said they wanted to shoot two more birds, but they they asked what we were going to charge, and we're like, well, we're going to charge you know regular price. You got to, you're shooting two more birds. It's not like waterfowl. Like you're not getting any more birds this year. Like whatever you got is what you got. And they were like, man, you're not going to give us a discount. We're like, no, you're shooting two more birds. And then they, they <laughs> left, the, they went back to Mississippi with the two jakes. They didn't stay and uh, yeah. hunt anymore. But it's just, you know, I couldn't believe that the night before they were acting like the great white turkey hunter, not going to shoot a jake. And then they didn't even know what a jake was when it came in and it was very evident that it was uh-huh. a jake like it had three it uh-huh. had three long tail feathers and everything else was cut off <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a jake guys like look at a picture right. online it's not hard we're not you know and it's not right. like i was telling them to shoot it or anything this was totally on them and made my job a lot easier i didn't get tipped though <laughs> so you you uh. you hunt uh You've turkey hunted in Oklahoma. I we we uh we waterfowl hunt in Oklahoma and Holbert around the same. I know you were there with Rhett. Uh, I saw the uh, saw the trailer uh, a couple waterfowl seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. But I think this last year, I don't know if those birds got sick or something, but we didn't see the turkeys in Oklahoma like we had. Uh, yeah, they years. Before. We have a place pretty close to there that that we've been going for years, and we didn't hunt there last uh, last spring and probably won't go this spring. I don't know what the deal is. I, you know, I don't know. You know, usually uh, scouting scouting ducks and geese around Hobart, those wheat fields just have these enormous flocks of turkeys, 50, mm-hmm. 60 in them. And this last year, we didn't see any. And the year before, we didn't see any either. I don't know what got a hold mm-hmm. of them. I don't know if it's a disease that they've all got. Probably got corona before we got corona. Probably, probably. What uh, what do you what do you think of all that? Are you going to travel as much this spring with the with the corona outbreak? Or are you not going to let it phase you? Um, I'm going to do exactly what I feel like doing. Hell yes, <laughs> exactly. Everybody's going crazy I mean, over this deal. Unbelievable! Kind of blows my mind to be perfectly honest with you. But I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, this is what we all have thought our country's come to. It just Man, when you see it, it's just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Man. 1,200 people have it in the United States. 1,200 yeah, is it. I mean, yeah, more, more people. To put it in perspective, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, I liken it a little bit to the boat race and stuff in Arkansas. Everybody's like, oh, it's all about safety. You know, we've had all these injuries. Like, we've literally never had a fatality from a boat racing accident. But there are hundreds of people who die every year falling out of tree stands. Why don't we outlaw tree stands? Right. You know, and it's kind of the same way. It's like, man, we, you know, we've had we've had more people hit by a bus this calendar year in the United States for being morons or jumping on a train track than we have die of a coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, and everybody, I don't know why people are buying toilet paper. <laughs> that's what that's what gets me. Like, if you want to get canned goods and you want to be, <laughs> but everybody's buying toilet paper. You can't get toilet paper yeah. anywhere right now. Yeah, it, it, well, <laughs> those of us that learned how to take a shit in the woods are not worried about it. I'm going to show you that. <laughs> yeah, D- did you see? Well, that? we got some running water and 
<laughs> Did you see that? There's a picture on Facebook right now. It, uh, it it's it's a guy in hiking boots and he's got these long tall socks and one 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 foot has a sock and the other one doesn't. It says. <laughs> Be, being an outdoorsman has its perks. Like you'll never, you'll never be worried about running out of toilet paper. But it, it, it just it blows my mind, and uh, I just twelve hundred people have it, and you know I saw a statistic the uh, I guess last night the H one N one virus sixty million Americans mm-hmm. were infected sixty mm-hmm. sixty right. million, and nobody was yeah. nobody was freaking out. Nobody you could buy toilet paper all you wanted. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange times that we're living in for sure. We're, we're in, we live in an impressively over-civilized world. Yes. I mean, I, we were down in, uh, South Florida, um, and the other day, and the place we were hunting is about 70,000 acres. It's huge. Mm-hmm. This is huge forest. And, um, we came in to get and got lunch out of five guys. And there was a, there was a, you know, young, kid working maybe maybe 20 years old and we're all wearing camouflage and nobody down there wears camouflage big retirement community we we've done like an airbnb you know and so we were staying like in a little not a resort community but just kind of like a you know an older uh, a, a neighborhood okay um and so we we walk in there and this kid behind the counter starts laughing and you know we're about to place our order we're like you know what what's the matter what's so funny and he goes y'all work for the army or are y'all camping? And I just looked at him. I started. I was like, "What? What are you talking?" I said, "What makes you think that we're camping?" And and he's like, "Well, y'all got leaves and sticks and stuff on your clothes." He said, "I don't know what people wear camping." Uh, and I said, "I said, well, what makes you think we're in the army?" And he's like, "Well, you got camouflage on." That's what the army. The army doesn't wear this kind of camouflage. You know, what I mean, yeah. um, they, <laughs> and and he he said uh, he said well, he said so you're you're. I said, you know, we're turkey hunting. He said, you're turkey hunting. He said, we have turkeys around here? And I said, yeah. Mm. He said, where? And I like, literally pointed, it was across the highway. Mm-hmm. Like, you could see the forest we were hunting in from the the lobby of this five guys. And I pointed there. I was like, right over there. Like, literally right there. That's, that, you know. That's and he terrible. looked at me. It was like this wonder. And he said to me, no lie, two of my buddies standing there. He said to me, he said, has that always been over there? Did oh, they just Jesus, put it there? Jesus Christ. I mean, I looked at it. Like, <laughs> it's been growing you for years. Be me. <laughs> I mean, I said, I said, it's 70,000 acres right there. And he goes, hmm, hmm. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a human being who doesn't have any concept of what an acre is. Uh, Otherwise, man. saying 70,000 acres would have been mind-blowing to him. Yeah. And then, has that been there? Has it Did been they there? they just put that there? Like, yeah. Yeah, like every like everything in his life is, is this man made product, and that you know nothing yeah. can just come out of nature. Oh no, yeah, they, they put, exactly. They put full grown trees there all, all last year. I can't believe you didn't notice, you jackass. It 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 it's scary. It's scary. But you know the way I figure it is if uh, if if hell if all hell does break loose, like. We know how to use guns. We know which bathrooms to use. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident about yeah. the people that we're going to be yeah. going up at it. Yeah, it'll, against. it'll be okay. I, I saw one the other day, a meme that said, uh, it said uh, it was like a math problem, and it said if 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 I have uh, if if I have five registered guns and the government comes to take them from me, how many do I have when they leave? And it said twenty five. I have five. Plus the ten that aren't, I have five registered guns. <laughs> yeah. Plus the ten that I have that are not registered. 
plus all the guns that the people who came to get them had. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that that's exactly right. I uh, take my chance. It's 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 different, and you know the clientele that we get here. Uh, it's it's getting you know more and more more and more city folks are are the are the people that we see and this is their only time out in mother nature and it really is it's 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 kind of sad to see yeah. because you know Crazy. most of the time you know back when we first started everybody was a duck hunter or goose hunter and they would come here as kind of like their vacation to see something different now right. it's this is it this is the one time they're going to get their shotgun out of the case you can blame whatever for that you know lack of public land here in texas or or, or whatever but um something needs to change we got to get these kids more involved especially that kid from five yeah. guys i wish i had his number i'd call him and invite him to texas <laughs> just uh get out of get out of the city for a little bit yeah so no, that's a uh... i'm not advocating murder but you know <laughs> if if we're practicing qdma on the humanity her i mean there's there's definitely some genes that need to be removed <laughs> from the pool <laughs> yeah a, a, a buddy of mine was like you know what maybe this corona is not this coronavirus isn't so bad maybe everybody will get it and then we'll weed out some of these weaker, weaker genes and uh what well, only the only the strong will be uh be left over mm. so where all are you going this year where all are you going this spring what all states uh i'll hunt I, i'm gonna Go to uh, South Georgia and hunt with some friends down there and to South Carolina. Those will kind of be my two big trips. Um, I, we put in for a draw in South Dakota, but didn't get the first draw. We expect to get chosen in the second draw. We usually do. So probably going to go up there with a buddy early in May. But um, I, I rented a couple pieces of timber ground and, and got in a, a, a deer club and couple things here closer to the house and so we we just moved into a new house back in april that we built and i'm kind of i'm going to take a little bit of a step back this spring and just hunt here a lot at the house and have some friends coming to visit and uh i mean i'll still hunt almost every day but i can hunt tennessee and mississippi here you know within 45 minutes of, of my back door uh pretty easy so other than a couple trips here early in march i'm not planning on being gone too too long this spring yeah there's something about hunting in your backyard too that that's just really nice oh yeah my kids are of the age that you know when i'm gone they don't get to travel obviously because they got school and so they're they're shoot one and and uh i you know a lot a lot of years last few years i've missed some of the best hunting here at home just because i've been on the road and it's easy to think if you got a good place here at home it's easy to think well i'll just wait a few weeks and i'll get them when i get back but right you know, inevitably it gets hot and the hunting's not as good. So Yeah. Well I don't blame you there. Uh have you have you got the Grand Slam? Yeah, yeah. And I've you... killed uh I guess I've killed two of them or uh well three. Three. Wow. Um I did a I did a single season a couple of years ago and that was fun. Um and I I probably could have done it last year, but actually last year I didn't kill a Rio. Um I just didn't even try. <laughs> we just the way travel plans work, we didn't end up making it through uh, any of the Rio states, and so that's you, probably the easiest part of the, of the four. Yeah, no that kidding. I didn't kill. A buddy of mine, uh, he he missed a Miriam, and then he came down here to hunt with us. He he he's in Minnesota, so he shoots easterns. Missed a Miriam, 
And we had a, a Rio bust us. He only had one day to hunt, and we had a Rio bust us. And I thought, geez, mm. man, I, I feel bad. You should be sitting on third base right now. And yeah, yeah. to this day, he's only killed an Eastern, and he misses two oh, opportunities man. to kill uh, a Miriam and, and a Rio. And I was like, oh, I, I feel kind of bad for you. <laughs> uh, so the, these places that uh, have, like, two different species of turkeys, do they breed? Will they interbreed? Like, will a Miriam and a, and a Rio? Oh, yeah. They'll do. Are they oh, going to yeah. create something different? You think? Man, there's there's not a lot of pure turkeys anymore. I mean, there you got a lot of pure easterns, um, right. but there's not a lot of pure Merriams and a lot of pure Rios anymore. They they just interbreed and and so much of their so much of their distinctive features is is color variety that changes. Just kind of like people have different skin color. You know, you got. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard somebody say one time. Black people should have never been called colored people because white people have way more shades of colored way skin more, than, than yeah. black people do, and, it, and it's true in turkeys too. I mean, you'll you'll kill rios that are just as pure of a rio as you could want and have bright white tips on his tail, and then you can kill a merriam super high altitude, and he'll have kind of a tan, creamy color, and and so so much of the distinctive features of them is, um color phase that it's really hard to kind of tell so the 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 places that have two turkeys i mean those are just mutt turkeys they're interbred and (laughs) and you're never gonna just because one's brighter white than another doesn't mean it's more pure merriam i mean he's gonna have both genetics um if you're if you're looking for a merriam or rio the only way you're gonna get a really pure one is you're not gonna find any merriams in texas you know or oklahoma so everything there no matter what its color is is going to be pretty much be uh, a Rio, unless you're over on the east side of both states and hunting in some river bottoms or something. And I guess I guess there's some Easterns there, but um, and then for a Merriam, altitude is more than anything, more than the colors. Is you you kill one in the mountains? Um, I, that's that's not a Rio. Rio is not going to be up at three or four thousand feet of elevation. It's crazy seeing on seeing on Facebook guys killing turkeys in the snow, killing these merry. I know that is that's, that's on my bucket list. That's crazy. Um, I killed I killed a couple in Nebraska last spring, and it was snowing. Mm-hmm. And by the next morning, there was two or three inches on the ground. But but when we actually killed them, there was no snow on the ground. And uh, but I've always wanted to be in some of that high altitude and have one. Uh, come in gobbling in the snow i just i mean they say it's miserable and i've hunted in the snow and it is miserable because you just don't have a whole lot of i i don't wear stuff turkey hunting that's like super waterproof because it's warm most of the time and so it's just kind of crummy because you know feel like you just get wet in the snow but but man it sure is pretty (laughs) it sure yeah it really is uh before i let you go how was this waterfowl season for you guys uh, it was great. January was pretty sketchy and not all that great, but um, for me, September, October, November, and December were the best four months of waterfowl in my entire life. Um, and part of that was just because I had the opportunity to hunt some really cool places, mostly at White Oaks Duck Woods a lot. And I mean, they just, I, it was unbelievable. Um, I don't know if that's indicative of of kind of the the larger flyaway, but where we were at, it was just slap loaded, and and we shot them hard the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was 
it was a weird year for us here just because there it never really got cold. You know, December was yeah. really mild, and we didn't really. Yep. That, that, I, that's, I attribute our crummy January to that. I mean, we the, the ducks that we were shooting in November and December, we had them end of October. Yep. You know, they, they that all that cold stuff at the end of October in Canada pushed a lot of stuff south. And, I mean, we by Halloween, we were just thick as thieves in Arkansas, and we shot those ducks until Christmas, and they never left, really. But we never got any more either. And so by January, we just had colossally stale bunch of ducks around. Yeah. I, I, I December, I mean, it was – You'd get a north wind, but it was still highs in 65, 70 degrees, and I mean... Exactly. It's just... Exactly. It was, it was overall, it was a tough year here, but uh, everybody, yeah. everybody left happy, so that's really... Yeah. That's really it was good on your skin, but that's not, that's not how you kill <laughs> that, That's exactly right. So, uh, where can people get a hold of you at? What's, what's your website address? Uh, it's Rolling Thunder Game Calls is the name of our company, and the website's rollingthundergamecalls.com and you can find us on all the social media platforms and whatnot so we're around most uh most of the larger sporting goods stores carry our stuff um bass pro cabela's sportsman's warehouse and dicks and kind of that that gamut of, of stores and a lot of your independent retailers in the southeast so we're, we're around and my cell phone number's on the website um so, uh, you know, I appreciate if you didn't call me at midnight on Friday night looking for a ride home from the bar, but um, <laughs> if there's anything we can do for you, I mean, we're, we're not trying to hide, and our customer service department's pretty small, so yeah. my theory's always been that the best customer service is, is one that doesn't have to answer the telephone, so if you if you make something right for somebody on the front end, there's not as much for them to complain about, so we're certainly not perfect, but we try to not set ourselves up for having to deal with customer service calls. <laughs> yeah, no that that's a that's a great theory to uh, to live by. Um, I appreciate your time. Uh, you you've uh, been more than generous, and yeah, I, man. I hope that this spring is uh, everything that you hope for. But uh, yeah, it'd be great. I, I love your I love your Instagram series that you got. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And while while I'm here, uh, if I can, we're we're dabbling in the podcast world a little bit ourselves, and we're not nearly as far along as you guys are. But if you'd be willing, I'd love for you guys uh, to jump on a call with us this fall and talk to us about you know y'all's honker hunting and Anytime. whatever y'all do out there in the in the wild wild west. Anytime. Anytime. This is my cell phone number, so uh, just save it to your phone. I'll be more than happy to. We'll be more than happy to talk to you whenever. That'd be great. Thank, right. thank you so much, and uh, you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Spencer Halford, ladies and gentlemen, more than generous with his time. Uh, turkey season is firing up. It's firing up. So. Uh, we hope that everybody's getting out there and getting after it in those woods. Um, don't forget about the giveaway that we got going on. Million downloads is coming up. It's coming up soon. Uh, we've got a giveaway going on. It's for four days of goose hunting here in West Texas. Uh, you're going to have lodging meals. You're also going to win two dozen dive bomb silhouettes. You're going to win a case of the best waterfowl load on the market, Boss Shot Shells. And you're also going to win a Pacific goose call 
Pacific Calls Goose Call. It is primo. It's great. All you have to do is go to my Instagram, and all the rules are there. They're laid out, so go do it. Play along. We appreciate everybody listening. Have a good one.